You are listening to the Intentionally International Congregation podcast. We are the Reverend Matthew Lafferty, the Reverend Anitra Kitts, and the Reverend David Smith, three Americans living in Europe and involved with English-speaking congregations in non-English-speaking countries. We think that there's something interesting going on in these congregations, and we want to share what we learn with you. In this show, and in the show following, we return to the Reverend Jody Fundell. In the last season, we interviewed Jody at the beginning of the coronavirus lockdown. Now that lockdown is over, and we want to know, how did church ministry in an English-speaking congregation and a non-English-speaking country work out? What went well? What didn't? And what did she discover? Well, Jody, it's been two years since we last talked to you. It's amazing to think that it's been two years because a lot has happened in the last two years. It was in May of 2020 that we last spoke to you about your work at the American Church in Paris, where you and your husband, Doug, served as interim co-associate pastors. You had arrived in February of 2020, and then, as we all know, in March 2020, four weeks after you arrived, you went into lockdown. We spoke to you last seven weeks in a lot that lockdown, so three months into your into your work. There were a lot of things that happened, questions, uh, concerns, new experiences, and we hope that we'll get to learn about some of those today. It's just helpful for you to remind us who you are and where you are, because we're not speaking to you in Paris. Things have also changed in, in your life. Great. Thanks, Matthew. It's great to be with you again. So I'm Jody Mullen-Fondell. I am an ordained minister with the Evangelical Covenant Church in America. I've spent the better part of the last 25 years in international ministry. My husband and I served as co-lead pastors of the Emmanuel International Church in Stockholm, Sweden. In 2015, we left that ministry and began a series of interim ministries. Uh, one of the great gifts of our time in Stockholm was receiving Swedish citizenship, so we can pop in and out of the EU with great ease, and for that, we are, we are incredibly grateful. So we served a church in London. We went to Paris on a different call. We're in Luxembourg for a bit, and then back in Paris for these last two years. And it really is a little bit hard to imagine where we were two years ago. And someone said to me yesterday, I, I thought you were gone like five years. I said, yes, it seemed like 10, didn't it? Because honestly, the pandemic years were long and, and uh, stretched out in so many different ways that um, it does kind of seem that way. So now my husband and I, we are in a, um, I would say, a, a semi-retired state. We're back in our home in California the Palm Springs area of California, enjoying desert life and um, kind of waiting to see what's next. I do think that we have a sense that we don't want to move again, uh, at least make the big move across the pond. We have a we have a big dog and she's handled it well, but it's not so easy traveling with an animal these days. And it's a little bit of a longing to stay in a place where you have some level of cultural and language competency. Um, but I think that uh, Europe will always figure into our life in some way. Well, it's wonderful to, uh, uh, for me to be able to meet you, Jody, and to hear a little bit about your story. And it seems uh, that you really have traveled a long way, not only literally, but just uh, in as far as life's journey goes. In one of the questions that our co-host, Anitra, asked you in the last interview, uh, she talked about this specter of fear that was um, in those early days of the pandemic, I think was something 
on everyone's mind. And I, I'm wondering, how, how did you, especially as a, an international church pastor, deal with that uh, specter of fear? Not only that, but maybe just other emotions that uh, you've been through a lot in the last little bit, and it seems like uh, all those transitions in your own life and in your pastoral ministry might have something to say. Thank you, David. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that became apparent to us um, in ministry as we kind of continued to unfold in this was, was naming fear, naming, just beginning to name the things that people were feeling. So naming um, isolation, naming grief in all of its different forms. I mean, every single person over the last two years has experienced some form of grief, some in profound and life-changing ways, others in less uh, you know, less life changing, but certainly disappointments, right? So I think as we began to name some of those things, it helped people feel less alone in their own journey around that. Um, I think at the church, as we began to open up again, we were really cautious and really sensitive to the ways in which people were going to begin to come, come back to, to the public sphere. You know, one of the stranger things that we experienced um, in coming back live together around around kind of fear and just wanting to be safe, you know, is how do we practice communion together? And we did uh, eventually go to those, you know, capsules where you have the bread on the top and the cup underneath. And, you know, we tried to make light of, of how awkward it was and the sound of as everybody opened it and whatnot. But people were very accepting of the reality that this is what we could do. And so let's do it. And so I think in terms of the fear piece, that's what we just tried to remind people. Fear is real. Everybody's going through this at a different phase. Grief is real, but let's do what we can and um, lament what we can't, but certainly keep trying to lean into what we can. Uh, yeah. How did you interact and, and deal with those deeper theological questions? That was the whole thing. Like, how can we be the kingdom of God? How can we continue to be the community of Christ gathered? And this is this is the only way. One of the other things that you raised in your last uh, in the last conversation centered around the technology question. And uh, the last time you were interviewed, many churches, of course, not just ACP, uh, were for being forced to modernize fast, whether they were ready for it or not. Um, and so as the two years have gone by, um, what have you learned in that process? Well, we, we learned a huge lesson in all of that. Um, so not very many people live close to ACP. ACP is located in a super posh area of Paris. It's very expensive. It's very hard to live there if you are not a multimillionaire. And so a lot of people come from quite far away and they were never able to participate in any of the midweek activities because it was just kind of geographically impossible. Well, here, lo and behold, Zoom Bible study, you get home from work, you can actually even grab something to eat and get on Zoom and go to the Bible study. And so we had this broad participation from people that had not ever participated. And the neat thing about that was that that began to cross-pollinate relationships among people that had never really mixed. So ACP has two different worship services. We have an 11 o'clock traditional and a two o'clock contemporary. And as in a lot of situations, you know, there was the formation, the, the potential formation of two separate congregations, right? I mean, we we're still one church, but it was really, really hard to find those ways. They were far enough apart that there wasn't any meeting place in between. 
And so people would come onto the screen for this Bible study. And a lot of the conversation was, oh, you must go too. I've never seen you. I've never met you. I've met, you know. And then a lot of our, um, I mean, the lower income people that come to church don't live nearby. They live way out. I mean, we're talking maybe an hour, hour and a half out. And they were super interested in being in these Bible studies. And so it was really, that was a super exciting season for us of understanding that this is the way in which it was kind of the best of technology. And, and even now, um, the, the Bible study stayed online the whole time. It, it has not gone back to a live gathering. Then as the pandemic subsided during our last couple of months there, um, we did bring in two people live um, Dominique Gilliard came and he's doing some amazing work around um, racial um, uh, reconciliation. And then a man named El Tizan. And these are both guys from our tradition, but they are doing some really spectacular work. Um, El's specialty is in, in missiology and kind of new ways to think about missiology. And they both had some great things to say about the road ahead. Um, and we hybrid those meetings. And I will say it was not always easy. Um, it, it, there's a lot to be learned about hybrid ministry, but the other piece too, is that just a, a, on the hybrid piece, um, we began having council meetings in hybrid fashion because it also, the reason that it was helpful is it allowed people who live far away to join council. Um, now I will say this, I think there's, um, there's a case to be made for either being all on zoom at, 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 as opposed to the hybrid um, or all. And, and then, maybe all in person, but all in person is going to be harder if you're going to do it midweek because you're just going to count out an enormous population. Um, I think ideally, you know, you, you do, you do kind of some zoom meetings and then you have like maybe quarterly a Saturday or a Sunday where you bring everybody together. But I mean, I'm not making those decisions anymore, but the hybrid meeting had its problems, but it had its advantages as well. And we were equal numbers, maybe sometimes even higher on zoom than we were live. And that could just partly be also because we were just kind of starting to come back live. Um, so that was a great learning tool that I think that um, ACP will carry on into the future. Now, when life began to open up again, and people got busier with their lives, our, our Wednesday night participation dropped a bit. Um, but uh, I think it's just because life got busy again. And I think it reflected a little bit more, you know, normal times. In terms of worship, we did continue to produce the worship services. And maybe you remember it was Doug and I who actually were doing it. We had iPhone 11s and MacBook Airs, and that's what we did. And we made it work, and I feel really proud of the work that we did. But one thing that did happen during the pandemic is our director of music, um, Fred Grayman, he's been there for like 47 years. He's very skilled, and he's, he's, interest, he's, a, he's a very curious and inquisitive man. He wanted to learn some things, and so he got a new phone, and he got a new computer, and we showed him just minimal stuff that we were doing, and then he just ran with it. So he began producing some amazing musical pieces, like using multiple cameras and different things that Doug and I just were not going to do. Because what happened then through that summer, um, we did continue to produce an online service, even though we went back live, because the numbers for live worship were so limited. But then that autumn, uh, kind of more programming started. And so we were busy like with the normal job stuff that we were supposed to be doing. And so we didn't have the, we didn't have the continued time to keep working on technological advances. Didn't have the time. And 
really didn't have a deep interest in continuing to learn. And so then ACP was able to get some other people to come on board and, and help out, but still continuing the pre-production because we were not ready for um, the live stream. What's happened since then is that ACP has made a substantial investment in sound and light in their sanctuary. Now, this is something that needed to happen anyway. Um, and so it's good that it's happened. What got added, of course, on top of everything was the capacity to live stream. And I do think that live streaming will remain. And where I think it's a real advantage for our international churches is that we do have this populace that moves in and out. And so for a lot of people who leave, they have a deep desire to maintain a connection with their international church because it was such a unique and beautiful experience for most people that's very, very hard to replicate when they go back to their home country where it's much more homogenous, much more you know, demographic or, or denominationally specific. You just don't get the kind of um, diversity across the board that an international church will give you. And so they really have enjoyed continuing to be able to drop in on ACP. And I will be honest to say that there, it's a little bit of an economic advantage as well. The more people stay connected to your community, the more prone they're going to be to give back. And um, ACP's made a real effort to invite people to give to ACP through the online ministry. Um, and I would say that the online audience at ACP um, is, is front and center um, in, in the way in which ministry decisions are being made at this point. So Jody's really great about talking about the um, use of technology, the quick adaption of what technology that they needed to learn and put into place during this pandemic time of being an international congregation. But we all know that church is not just the technology. It's the people. It's the community. And how does that work theologically or ecclesiastically? How do you form a community in which you are, some members are not necessarily physically present in the room? What does that mean? We'll come back for part two because we'll be talking more about that side of the question. I am the Reverend Anitra Kitts, and together with the Reverend Matthew Lafferty and the Reverend David Smith, we produce this podcast, Intentionally International.